Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, yes, you are with Bryce McGain, who's in some unbelievable form tonight. <laughs> He's wheeling and dealing just like the way he used to bowl in the Ryobi Cup. Welcome back to Sports Day for Nutrient Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Our next guest, Bryce, came to the studio a couple of weeks ago, and frankly, she shot the lights out. We got such strong feedback. The temper text was lighting up. It was on fire. We had to get her back again. She's a sports broadcaster who also worked on the last T20 World Cup in Australia. She's had senior roles at Cricket Australia, Richmond Footy Club, and even Collingwood as well as a leadership and culture consultant. Rana Hussain, welcome back to Sports Day. Hello, and a big shout out to, I think it was Mark in Essendon, who yes. was very pleased with me. So happy to be back, Mark. It's always good when you get positive um, feedback on the temper text, Bryce, because I, I can tell you from experience, it's often not positive. <laughs> yeah. So if it is positive, it, it must can be, be ultra mixed. good. Yeah. It may have been my dad, just pretending <laughs> to be Mark in Essendon. Rana, um, we got so much to talk about, but did you watch the first test, um, Australia-Pakistan, and what did you take out of it? I did. <sighs> I didn't take a lot out of it, to be no. honest. That wasn't a great wicket, uh, a pitch, sorry. And I don't know. I just kind of went, yeah we, yeah, we sort of expected this to happen. I was impressed they got to four days. Yeah. Is that horrible to say? No. <laughs> it's absolutely fair enough, I think. I think we all thought Australia was going to win. And the question is, Bryce, the crowds have been uh, – we haven't really discussed the crowds mm. over the last couple of days because I'm a bit torn Cricket, the Cricket Australia line is it's a record for Australia v Pakistan in Perth, but I can't help but feel like there's a real PR spin to that. And when you can get amazing crowds to football and you have 15, 16, 17,000, 9,000 the last day to a first test match of a summer, it just seems, it feels disappointing. It, it is a bit, and I think it's going to cost Perth in the long run. They, they're setting out the next seven years of, uh, of where the test matches will be played, what venues are going to go around Australia and play at, where they start it. And it, Ultimately, without people turning up with empty st- empty seats in a stadium that holds over forty or forty five fifty thousand people, it looks ridiculous. So it's probably going to cost them just mm. having sixty for the whole uh, four days. Although I did see in the papers today talk of you know, do you put India in Perth for the first test next year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense from the Australian cricket team's point of view, but. I don't, I don't like that. What, what's the priority for Cricket Australia? Because the last two times India have toured here, the first test has been in Adelaide. And you almost couldn't pick a wicket that suits India more in Australia than Adelaide. Maybe Canberra suits them more than Adelaide. But it's a, it's a pitch that um, is more like any of theirs than, let's say, the Gabba or Perth. Or is the priority to take the game to a market which it hasn't seen before? Australia will beat India and in, India in Perth. So what is, what is Cricket Australia's priority? What are they trying to do? Because, again, part of the PR spin, Rana, I, I say PR spin with the greatest respect, but it is PR spin. Mm. 
is that Perth is a growth market. It's a revenue market. There's so much room for growth. Will it grow with India next summer and England the summer after? I mean, you ca- India and Adelaide makes the most sense to me. You know, you will get bums on seats there. I think you want big crowds for a team like India. I think that makes the most sense to me. Of course, business-wise, maybe the growth city of Perth works, but uh, just it doesn't feel right to me. You mm. know, India's a big team. You want the big crowds. I'm fascinated with with your take on Usman Khawaja and uh, mm. his leading to the, the, the test match and uh, his uh, message on his shoes. And I guess the role that Cricket Australia and the ICC playing that in saying, no, you, you are unable to uh, voice your support that all lives matter. I think this is a really interesting one for the ICC and CA as well because they're going to come up against this again and again. We saw this in the NBA. Players more and more have a voice. They want to use it. They want to express themselves. And the more national sporting bodies push against that, the harder it becomes. We see it playing out in netball too. Yep. I think it's really important now that they – if they're not already sitting down with those policies and rethinking them – I'd be a bit surprised because we're going, you know, with even with Pat Cummins, you know, he's really found his voice. He has issues that he cares about. This is going to be an ongoing issue for cricket. Cricket's kind of slow in this department. We traditionally haven't seen players really take um, causes to heart like this. Uh, but I think more and more, especially as we see more diverse players coming into national teams like this, you know, there's the whole idea of they're representing other communities as well and they're going to feel the responsibility of speaking out. Uh, so I think it's really important that they start to actually consider how do we make this work for us. Do you think if Usman Kawaja, two weeks out from the first test, ticked off every box, went to Cricket Australia, who went to the ICC and um, was able to, I guess, get approval that they would have allowed him to have shoes that said all lives matter and freedom is a human right. I think that's where I might have, <laughs> would love to have a word with Aussie and say, yeah. I, I know where your heart was on this, but maybe you could have just, I mean, I don't know, who knows? Maybe he did pick up the phone. It sounds like he didn't um, yeah. and kind of just went, I don't think anyone will care about this um, and maybe a little bit naive on his part. So I think there's a little bit of uh, conversation that does need to be had beforehand, but also if there's a good relationship between the national sporting body and the athletes, those conversations will be happening all the time. And so you want to be in that place where you have that kind of a relationship where your athletes are coming to you and saying, this is what I want to do. Are you yeah. cool with it? And that didn't happen. But in Usman Kawaja's mind, and I'm, I'm not putting words in his mouth, I hope here, it's so simple. Of course, all lives are equal. Of course, freedom is a human right. You know, And he's looking back at it probably and going, if if players if both teams can take a knee for Black Lives Matter, then why can't I have this on my shoes? Which is justified in itself as well. But there is a lot of red tape that needs to be cut before you can tick these sorts of, um, I guess, uh, expressions off. And to be fair to administrators, it's such a diabolical problem because you can't pick and choose then which causes you allow athletes to speak up on. So imagine if there was a cause that was really divisive, even more so than yeah. this, you know, and, and you, 
your policy says, yeah, have at it. I mean, what does that do then to the sport? It's such tricky territory, but I think it's that pre-thinking, it's the proactive work that you do and cultivating cultivating the relationships with your players mm. that makes all the difference. Are, Australian, uh, are we in Australia just behind the world in this? Because it seems to be quite an open conversation in America and the, the athletes will speak their mind more openly than what they do here. Or is it our culture of maybe a tall poppy where we want to chop them down really quickly and, and, and point out, hey, that's a different view. Um, we, we can't have that. Potentially. I mean, I think that we still have conversations about whether sport and politics mix tells us that we're still needing to have that conversation. A lot of parts of the world would say yeah, they absolutely do mix. You know, when the Black Lives Matter movement happened in America, uh, the NBA sat down with their players and said, OK, what are we going to do about this? Because this clearly matters to you. They were on the brink of having to shut down their season. Yeah. And the Players Associ- Association brought in the right people, people from community, people that could hear um, and advocate for the players' voices. And they got to a place where they came up with a campaign. And I think that's a more progressive take on what happens when sport and politics collide. And they will collide. And they collide every single day. So people that say keep sport and politics separate don't actually understand how it works. They're they're inextricably linked. Oh, I would love for sport and politics not to mix. Like For me, what happens siren to siren is sacrosanct. And that's why I go to watch sport because that's when I get to kind of put all the baggage behind um, and to the side. But unfortunately, you know, we live in a world where even those of us who turn up to watch sport have all of that baggage and we carry it everywhere Mm. we go and athletes do too. And so we have to talk about this stuff. We, we're done with that. Usman Khawaja, we'll see what happens at the MCG test. I, th- I still think there's more chapters to play out. I want to ask you a question that might be a little bit, um, I don't know, it might, be a, it might be an interesting one. Do you think Nick Kyrgios is good for tennis? <laughs> I'm really clear on this. Yeah. I think he's absolutely good for tennis. Yeah. I think Tennis Australia love that he's in their wheelhouse, in their um, under their umbrella. Um, they might get frustrated with him from time to time, but I think without him, they are not selling as many seats. They are not selling as many column inches. You know, I think he brings so much more attention. And I have to say, he brings the attention of a younger audience who speak a different language, who want their athletes to be a bit spikier on the edges. Like, I think he's great for the game. We don't have to love him all the time. He doesn't have to espouse, you know, the best of our values. But he's selling the game, and I think that's good for tennis. What do you think, Price? We're talking to Rana Hussain, who's got some uh, really interesting takes on a number of sporting issues. But Nick Rios, to me, is one of the most divisive Australian <laughs> sports people. I love how he goes about it. But I know my dad, who we had in uh, yesterday, can't stand him. And can't beyond that, also can't understand how anyone else can like him. Yeah. So we are diametrically opposed. Well, I think, uh, and Rani, you make a good point with the young generation now that they want their athletes a bit spikier and uh, having a view and, and being themselves. I guess my generation, which is the older one, probably more like your dad. <laughs> sorry, sorry to yeah, say. Yeah, it is. But uh, I think it's probably growing up with team sport. It's all, well, the greater good that matters. I'm not to be really going outside mm. my lane. I need to just be me and we all have a greater good and a role to play in that respect. So I think it's probably more of an upbringing in sport, which is team orientated. Conformity. Rather than just being a lone wolf or a solo player and, and going about it, hey, this is how I am, so love it or leave it. 
It's remiss of me to say or not to say that I think where the line is drawn for me is when there are allegations of violence which have yep. come up within his past. And I think that's where I think, okay, that's where we yeah. have to start to consider what sponsorship dollars do, what we amplify, and then we have a conversation about values and safety. Um, but that kind of thing aside if we can, you know, put that in its own place. I think when we're talking about athletes who have an opinion, who are a little bit different. I mean, I remember Justin Langer talking about Adam Zampa being, you know, a bit of a character. And I thought there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love yeah. that about, and that he's bringing that to cricket. So I think, you know, it's horses for courses, but I don't mind it. And one of Justin Langer's greatest weaknesses was that he couldn't understand how anyone could play cricket in a way that wasn't in his mould. How can someone not hit a thousand balls before a test match? How can someone not be determined and want to headbutt the ball and bowl 25 overs a day? And that's in the end, in, in essence, what brought Justin Langer down. Zampa is the complete antithesis to Justin Langer, as is Marcus Stoinis, as is Peter Hanscom. And there are others as well, the more relaxed characters. And Langer had his place in Australian cricket. We can do a whole podcast on Justin Langer if we want. But, um, but clearly Adam Zampa, I think, is great for Australian cricket and a very good player as well. And speaks to a different audience. I yep. think the best thing sports can do, in my view anyway, is have a stable of athletes who are going to bring in different communities and speak to different types of people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we have to be, we could be a little bit more open about that. Yeah. Um, the netball pay dispute, we discussed it briefly, I think, when you were last mm. on. I'm not quite sure where it was at at that time. But my question to you now is, has the pay dispute, which was bitter, and it was really quite... Um, volatile there for a while. Has it um, impacted netball in a way which will last beyond this next CBA? Well, I think the fact that Kelly Ryan is no longer there as CEO speaks volumes. And I think there will be more um, heads rolling from the board as well. So I think it's a kind of a watch this space. And I think those changes will tell us which direction it's going to head in. I mean, the player's basically won that negotiation, um, which I think is... As they always do, though, don't they? The revenue share model they fight for and they get. Yeah, and I think for a long time, administrators in that sport have been very, very frustrated with players seemingly asking for, you know, too much or, you know, a sense of entitlement coming from the players. Now that they've won this, I'm hoping it's one of those situations where you can put it behind you and with fresh people at a leadership level, they start new. But it's kind of up to now everybody to come to the table with that spirit. Yep. And who knows? Who knows? Runner, it, depend it really depends on the leadership style and the people who are comfortable in empowering others to, to assist in the overall good because the players want to seat at the table and want a decision-making point so that they can help grow the game, not just leave it to, I guess, the, the board and the power um, to do that. The players feel that they have the responsibility. They're, they're the show. Mm. They're it. They're the face of netball, not the people in the boardroom. So yeah. I, it is absolutely the way to go for Australian sport to have that that, that shared revenue model because the players are your best asset and enhancing them and their involvement in it only lights them up even more. I think the best thing that netball can do now with new leadership, as you say, is be as transparent as they possibly can be and really open up even further and build those bridges because I think part of the problem was that we couldn't access a lot of those reviews that were being done that yeah. Kelly Ryan so often spoke to. And I know Kelly Ryan's probably a scapegoat here too. There's so many more, you know, players in this, but 
I would love to see a netball Australia that is much more open and willing to share what is going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that these players' unions seek, at least initially. They want information from the governing body so they can then discuss the revenue share model. And a lot of the time they're waiting for the AFL or Cricket Australia to bring forth this information so that they can then have meaningful conversations. Um, we've got a lot of questions in review about 2023, which I, I love these sort of reviews because it makes me think of the amazing sport we've had this year. So what a year it's been, I've sent mate. you both some homework. Let's start with you, Rana. Mm. The most excited you've been watching sport in 2023 was... Well, there's video footage of this on Twitter somewhere, or X, <laughs> we're calling it these days. Um, the Matildas quarterfinal, of course, yeah. against France. Um, I was watching it with my little one and all of her friends. Um, the TV cut out, so we quickly moved to my phone and had to watch it. They were all huddled around me. I was in tears. I've worked in women's yeah. sport for so long. Um, it was quite a moment, so I can't help but pick that. I was uh, in a restaurant. We had the family together from all interstate. We're at a restaurant together. And the restaurant basically stopped. Everyone had their phone going, but there was a phone a few seconds ahead of the other seat. So a table would be cheering before we're cheering and all that. Yeah. So everyone just gathered around the, the phone that was further ahead. That's what we <laughs> oh, ended up doing. It was, it was an amazing moment. And we'd brought together um, just, it was a Chinese restaurant, a dumpling restaurant, and yeah. it just brought together all these different national. It was That's quite great. incredible. Was that yours It's a great well? memory. No, my, the most excited I was was when Brisbane hit the front in the last quarter. Oh, yes. And... and oh. And Brisbane supporter. Yeah, I, ah, I am God. a Brisbane supporter, but but I'm also I've been a football coach um, for the best part of 15 years as well. So I've I've always been controlled. Even watching my own team, I'll I'll be measured, and you know I'm probably looking like the the cool, calm coach. Yeah. But this is the moment where I just lost everything. I'm jumping around and Were just you there? Going, yeah, I was there, yeah. and I, I couldn't believe we've hit the front. This is that moment, oh. and uh, in the end, it wasn't that moment. I can't help but think with six 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 you would have won the flag because you would have had men behind the ball oh. and Jordan Degoe wouldn't have been able to get free when he did. Yeah. Sorry to tell you. So the most excited, who kicked that goal? Who, who? Charlie Cameron. Charlie Cameron, he did, didn't he? And then, yeah, then Degoe kicked the goal. I was in a whole bay and we were all doing the motorcycle oh. and everything. <laughs> no. I've never been that fanboy, but I, I was that so, in that moment. Side two equal. So Maxwell, uh, Glenn Maxwell's 200 was... Equal with the Matildas. The Maxwell oh, too. Yes. When he was standing still, unable to move, yeah. hitting the ball with his forearms. Yeah. I, just, I was late. I was in Noosa with my wife and I, and she was just, I said, wake up. And she didn't want a bar of it. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe what I was watching. It was it was actually an out of human sort of, out of body sort of experience. Um, the next one, and this is more of a negative one, Rana. Mm. The most flat or disappointed you've been watching sport in 2023 was? I had three. Can I, yeah, can I run through them really quickly? Yeah, yeah. I mean... So staying on the Matildas, their semi-final loss, yep. I was at the game. I've never felt so flat and I've never heard a crowd, 70,000 people, yeah. so quiet. After such a high, it yeah. just felt like a real bottoming out. So that was one. Um, India losing the World Cup, <laughs> which is probably sacrilegious to say. I am half Indian or whatever you want to call me, but I <laughs> go. We'll call go, you Rana. Yes. You could call me Rana. I go for India in the cricket yeah. um, and... That was devastating. Oh, really? <laughs> it was devastating. <laughs> We're the opposite there. <laughs> I know. Travis Head um, catching Rohit Sharma, that yeah. was just heartbreaking for yeah. me. But um, I'm going to get a bit serious and say Jorge Vilda kissing Jenny Hermosa oh, yeah. after Spain won the World Cup. Uh, did you watch that live? Did mm. they show that on the TV at the time? They did. They did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was, talk about, I mean, and again, as someone who who's worked in women's sport, to experience that month of absolute 
joy and highs and seeing what we've worked towards come to life in front of your eyes. And then to have that moment, it just, it was so heartbreaking and confusing and and just kind of surreal to see it play out. And, you you know, and then there was so much conversation afterwards. But in the moment, it was very jarring. Yeah. And, and so sad that such an amazing moment for that country can be brought down by such a, a disgraceful moment as well from such a senior official. Um, what was yours, Bryce? What's the most disappointed or fat you've been after a... Oh, well, watching sport in twenty. Well, I touched on the high, which was Charlie Cameron's, and I touched on <laughs> oh, the low, yeah. which was the final siren. It happened within about four minutes, and yeah, it was just so deflating. It was like I, I, I couldn't even stand, and I was amongst many others, and um, it was yeah, it was yeah. really sad. But then I was really proud, so mm. I got over it pretty quick. But yeah. then I was proud that the Brisbane Lions had done what they had, had yeah. done, and it was it was going to be this memorable moment. I looked at the positive of it, but. Boy, it was deflating for five yeah. minutes. What about yours, Tom? The waves of emotion. No, mine was the Matildas and the Lionesses. I was also there. I was so proud, but I was so frustrated when the Matildas couldn't get the ball forward in the last three or four minutes. Just give it a go. And yeah. they just couldn't do it. But, I mean, it was an amazing night. I've never been to a sporting event with such, um, I guess, such such vigour in the crowd. The, the, goal, the sea of gold was just amazing that night in Sydney. The professional sports – we'll go to you first here, Bryce. The professional sports person you admired most in 2023. Um, th- this was a, a difficult one for me. Um, yeah, I, I guess looking at things pretty closely around football, those sort of things, I thought in, in the end and, and throughout the year, hearing from, uh, the Collingwood captain Moore and the way that Collingwood went about it from being the most, um, disliked, if you like, uh, operation, uh, in, in Australian sport, I think that they all eyes were yeah. on them for how they have been for the best part of or over a hundred years and the rivalries they have to then have the, n- nearly be everyone's second. Yeah. After it's, Anzac Day, it's Darcy their leadership. Moore. It's their leadership yeah. of Darcy Moore and uh, and and um, Craig McRae. Craig McRae and the way they have just been genuine people about how they want to operate that it's probably a combination. So it's probably not necessarily a sports person, but it's probably Those the organisation. Yeah. The, mo- the professional sports person you admired most this year, Rana? I mean, I have to agree, but I've gone with Peter Bowl this yeah. year. Yep. Not really for anything that he's actually achieved, sadly, but just the fact what he's been through, what he's been put through and the grace with which he's gone through all of that. I mean, he bottomed out a little bit in the world champs in August. I'm hoping next year we'll see him at the Olympics, <laughs> but I just... For him to hold his head high and continually say that he's innocent and and do that with a lot of grace, I've found him pretty impressive. Mine was Sam Kerr. I, she's an inspiration, and she seems to score every week for Chelsea, and she's amazing for the soccer uh, for the Matildas, and the way she plays. I mean, that goal that oh. we talk about that moment, the goal that she scored. I was sitting in the stands um, near the corner post, and I said to my mate, "They've got to get the ball to Sam Kerr when she's facing goal. They haven't done it yet." And finally, she was facing goal, and she just absolutely nailed it in the top left. It was absolutely yeah. incredible, wasn't it, that moment? I know, and, and I think that's what made the semi-final so sad for me because I felt like this is a once-in-a-generation yep. talent, and I don't know when we'll get to see her at her peak. Like I just she's twenty-nine; she's right at her yeah. best. Yeah. Um, your favourite? No, the professional sporting team you admired most this year was. 
I mean, I won't. I, I could say the Matildas, but I won't. Um, and I did think about the Diamonds, who won a World Cup yeah. while the, the whole country was only talking about the Matildas. But I do have to say the Australian men's cricket team. Yeah. Ashes, World Cup. I mean, they, especially after all the leadership changes, to come back firing like they have, I think they get, yeah. they get my cap. Yeah, snap. It uh, just had to be. What a year. Yeah. The World Test Championship, the mm. the the Ashes, and uh, and they'll, they'll battle in against a game plan that hasn't been seen before. And they they we had their moments, but they had their critics. Boy oh boy, yeah. everyone had an opinion of how bad they were going. That they had their way, and they, it ended up being a successful way to retain them. And then uh, of course the World Cup on the top of it as well. Um, yeah, snap! I think it's a really good one. Yeah, I, I think the World Cup win for the Australian men's cricket team was as good, if not better, than any other achievement, men's or women's, that we've had in sport, in history. Like, in those conditions, Norton 2, injuries to Travis Head, um, Ashton Agar wasn't there, um, form troubles with David Warner before the World Cup, question marks over whether Pat Cummins should be in the eleven. To with, do that yeah, was amazing. exactly. Yeah, whether he should even be captaining and playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to drop Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper, uh, after, after one, one game. game yeah. You know, they just, they just nailed it, didn't they? Um, but... Similar to what I said before, I mean, the professional sporting team I admired most this year is the, also the team that I support the hardest, and that is the Matildas. When I'm watching the Matildas play, I care more about them than the Socceroos, than the Melbourne Footy Club, than the Australian men's cricket team. For whatever reason, I sit there going, <laughs> I'm just into it, which is a feeling I've never had. And it's a bit embarrassing that I have really only had this feeling in the last 12 months. I wish, I wish I'd um, listened to Anna Harrington when I worked with her more and and realised what a what a growth market this was and how inspiring these girls are. Yeah. Because I didn't have that. But now I've got it um, and I'm all in for a long time. Um, we've got about a minute for this question. Your favourite footy moment in 2023, Rana, and why? Uh, so many, but I'm going to go with G- GWS's 11-minute burst that ended Port Adelaide's win. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Tom Green and Cornelio and all of it, but I was so happy for Adam Kingsley and they just absolutely, like in that 11 minutes. Amazing. I love that you've gone to the Giants. Bryce, we'll get yours after the break. This is Sports Day. More after this. This is Sports Day for Kia. The Epic has arrived, the all-electric Kia EV9, and Maccas, the chicken Big Mac, is back at Maccas. Our sports headlines tonight have been brought to you by Irrigear to save time and water. Irrigear, this rhymes, Bryce, is here. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. The question I've asked Rana, and I'll now ask you, Bryce, um, the professional sporting team you admired most this year was, which you've answered. Yes. So the next question was your favourite footy moment in 2023. Well, my favourite footy moment uh, was so divisive for so many groups of footballers was Damien Hardwick losing. He he was exhausted. He couldn't possibly go on with football. (laughs) He needed to have a break. He couldn't do it. But then doors open up, things start (laughs) shifting, and then suddenly signs with the Suns. And Richmond were upset. The league were upset. Everyone was upset. Um, probably all except the the, the Suns. But yeah. they lost a coach that they loved as well. Stuart Jew um, had to move aside, and the, the the players, you know, he he was much admired, and the, the fans actually liked him. So um, that was mine. What do you make of the Damien Hardwick exit, Rana? Oh, look, it was a roller coaster as well, wasn't it? I mean, I felt like the writing was on the wall for him a little bit. Uh, oh, I don't know. What else is there to say? I'm, the question I have now is, 
you know, is it going to work? Is mm. he actually going to deliver the goods for them? Well, very few coaches go to a second club after being successful at a first club and having great success there as well. But the Lee Suns, Matthews did it. Lee Matthews did it, but very few others have yeah, done it. Yeah, that's very true. Mick Moldhouse had success at West Coast, but none at Footscray. I'm talking coaches who've won two or three at one club and then gone to another. Mick Moldhouse is just about the only one. Pagan tried and failed. Um, Alistair Clarkson is yet to win one at North Melbourne, clearly. So um, the odds are against him, but... We'll wait and see. Ron Barassi did it as well, winning at Carlton and then North Melbourne. Rana, your favourite cricket moment in 2023 was? Uh, look, I have to say the Ashes as a whole. Yep. Uh, but also the Johnny Besto of it all. Yes. Yes, well done. <laughs> Give us your thoughts. Surely play on. Of course, Yes, play on. well done. She would have been out of the studio if she'd said that was against the spirit of the game. Stuart Broad's still upset. He came yes, out he overnight. I He's still that. upset. He can't sleep at night. Which is pathetic. What was yours, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was um, it, it was in the same vicinity. Look, cricket is it, and uh, you, you touched. There's a few that we've covered um, that sort of all tying together. Yeah. Obviously, Glenn Maxwell uh, that moment. Um, I, I did like the best though, but. Uh, yeah, oh, look, it's probably a combination of, of yep. all of those things. It, it is around the cricket because uh, I was up watching. I, I didn't miss many balls this year. I got to tell you, a lot, I watched you? a lot of and cricket at odd hours. Morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they always want, want the breakfast group wanting to get me. So yeah, of course. I, I, I was always waiting for Jerry in the <laughs> mo- later mornings, but yeah. it was always breakfast. Um, mine was Pat Cummins winning the toss and bowling mm. in the final. Like I just thought, what a, what an amazing move when the pattern of the tournament was your bat first. In those conditions, you get mm-hmm. runs on the board in finals as well, yeah. and then you yeah. defend it. But they looked at the conditions, they realised the strengths and the weaknesses of the Indian team, and they backed themselves to bowl and chase it down. And they realised that um, when you bat second, it minimises the impact of spinners in the dew. And that's exactly how it played out, Bryce. Indeed. Yeah, it was a masterstroke, really. And I, I, I love the. I really enjoy it. Now, I am a bit biased. Andrew McDonald's very close. Yeah. Um, and we, we sat very close. Every um, plane flight for Victoria was McDonald and McGain. It's all oh, done yeah. in alphabetical. So you always <laughs> sat on my left. But it just just the way that it's collaborative like that, they, they actually work these little things out. It's it's Everything's measured. It's yep. not just a, a gut feel or a, a whim like that. And I, I think it's a... a it's a contemporary way of going about a team sport. And I think the players are really thriving in that. Yeah, I loved it. Um, let's have some projections. I uh, know one more, actually. What do you wish in sport in general, or you can pick one sport, did better? What do you wish sport does better, Rana? <laughs> I mean, this is every day of my life thinking yeah. about this. This is what I do for a living. I, there's so many things. I, I don't want to go through them all. <laughs> I mean, one that I think about all the time is I would just love to see more and different voices presenting sport. It's just something that I've, I mean, I've grown up in this country and I've always felt like there's more room for more people who can speak to different communities. And we talked about athletes doing that. I'd love to see that in the presentation of sport. Uh, I'm really lucky to be a match day host at the cricket. I'm going to be there again this summer. Uh, And the amount of people that come up and say that to me tells me that there's, there's more appetite for that. So that's one thing I'd love to see. I'd like um, broader broadcast opportunities. So people, if you want to follow, uh, if you're watching a sport and you're not that keen on the commentary, you can tune into whatever you want and Mm. people can stream out what they like. So having that choice, I'd 
I, I'd want us to have more choice. Also want higher definition uh, <laughs> as a standard, the highest definition. 4K, as a standard, ultra HD. Yeah. As a standard. It drives me nuts when you flip over to the, the station and you, you're thinking you're watching it um, underwater somehow. But uh, they're the things for me. I, I, I want the choice more mm. um, when I'm watching sport. I, I want to choose yeah. who I'm listening to. You, Tom? Uh, mine is I wish cricket people could have more objective uniformity on the spirit of cricket. It just frustrates me to absolutely no end that you have really experienced, um, passionate cricketers like Stuart Broad and others that, are, again, to use the term, diametrically opposed mm. to what Michael Atherton would think or Michael Vaughan would think on the spirit of cricket. And and I try to be in their shoes and I try to understand what they're thinking on the Johnny Bairstow incident and others as well, and I just can't. Mm. I'm trying my best, but surely the laws sit above the spirit of cricket, not below the spirit of cricket. So that frustrates me to no end. I think there's a PhD in this view. There probably is. I don't have time at the moment, Rana, maybe next year. All right, let's look ahead before we finish. Rana, which sporting contest event or game are you looking forward to most in 2024 and why? The Olympics, of course. I mean, Mm. I become a couch expert on pommel horse. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That is where I'll be. I loved watching the Olympics during COVID like that. I feel like saved my life, to be honest, as sport on 24-7. So that's mine. What are yours? Bro? Mine's absolutely that. And with a with a personal connection um, with uh, uh, my, my, my partner's son, Sebastian, his girlfriend is actually a Hungarian paddler in oh. C1 and C2 wow. paddling. So we're hoping that she she's qualified a position for Hungary to make it to the Olympic Games. Now she needs to get into that slot. She has selection coming up. So she's wow. training and doing that. So Sebastian, as in C1, which is canoe, Canadian canoe, right. up on one knee. And th- these these people are incredibly fit, wow. incredibly balanced. The boat doesn't sit in the water. It, you put the little boat in the water, it just goes boop and topples over. So they're doing it up on one knee. It's quite incredible. And they are so fit. So um, for Virag, and we're hoping that she qualifies for the Olympics mm. and then and wins we're, gold. We're certainly going to be in Paris in August. No question. Oh, really? You're going? No That's amazing. And how did they meet without without getting – how does how does son meet? <laughs> Sebastian's a paddler as well. And he oh, went right. over – Hungary are probably the, the world's um, strongest uh, – Paddling, it's it's you know when you're three years old, you you get skis and then yeah. you get a paddle and that's how it works in summer and winter. There you don't get a footy yeah. and a cricket bat, you get uh, skis and a paddle. Yeah. So that they brought up on it. So um, he went and trained over there. He's represented Australia as well okay. in the marathon. So right. um, there's a oh, yeah wow. connection there. So he's going over to help support. So I think he's cooking breakfast and lunch and dinner and all that. Good while, luck while Virag trains. Oh, so you're actually a niche sport expert. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. me, just every four years. Yeah, you actually know about it. it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's incredible. That's like awesome. it really is. It really mine's is. the track and field at the Olympics. I love it. The men's and the women's. Every single track and field event, I absolutely love. Uh, this time next year, who will be the most famous name in Australian sport? I don't know if she will be, but she should be. Daisy Pierce. I mean, between being a head coach and her oh, media goodness. personality work, I think she is. Her star is rising even more than we thought it could. Uh, She's just going to go from strength to strength. Even though West Coast aren't much of an AFLW team. No, but but she's going to bring the heat to that team, I think. And that's a very strategic move on their part. And I just think in terms of creating that sense of everybody knows this person. And, I mean, now she's national, fully national. Yeah. Bryce? Um, This is one that I hadn't uh, prepared for, Tom. Do you you go? You go. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mine is Stuart McSwain, the Mm. runner, the Australian runner. 
I think he's just poised to have a big Paris and um, and potentially medal there as well. So I don't know if he's the most famous, but I think he's going to be really, really successful in Paris. And I think he's an excellent runner. Bryce, who's yours? Uh, it might be someone who's pretty famous now, to be honest. I mean, the reality is it will be Pat Cummins this yeah, time. Let's, let's be honest. Is someone going to jump up and, and do something that you didn't expect? Is there, is there an Olympian or a, or a soccer player that's going to come from nowhere? I mean, Mary Fowler's the one I thought mm, of as well. I did too. The Matildas, because I love what she does. And she's got the whole uh, romantic life as well for the tabloids <laughs> yeah, going. They so love that. With they our, do Nathan, love that. Is that Nathan Cleary? Yeah, yeah Nathan yeah. Cleary. We'll move on to the next one. Um, how many gold medals in the 2024 Olympics is a pass mark for Australia, bearing in mind the last Olympics we won 17 gold? Uh, Go out on a limb. I was going to say 15. Yeah. What do you <laughs> think, yeah. Bryce? Look, it, it's it's challenging. It, it, it's so difficult at that level. Uh, yeah, look, at 15, if, if we get the same, yeah. yes, it, it's such a competitive environment. I think we were 16 in Sydney, 17 in Athens, then we fell down a bit and we're back up in uh, Rio. D- so. Does it have an impact to the sport, that, that, that the COVID? Do you think there will be a wave of the, Maybe. the break that they've had in there? In, in, in the way that they've been able to prepare. and I just love that potentially we've got all these athletes that we've never heard about. I still haven't heard of them now, like your son's girlfriend yeah. who's mm. Hungarian. So I hope she doesn't win gold for our sake unless, <laughs> unless Australians are going to win gold. And all of a sudden they're going to win gold and become household names. Yeah. You know, like shooters in the 2000 Olympics or archers and walkers and these people that I'd never heard of before. That's what excites me about the Olympics. I think what will affect it from COVID is the any funding changes because I think – you know, so many sports did take a hit from the funding point of view. So they might have, they might still be able to play and all of that. But yep. a lot of those sports, like shooting, you know, funding constriction and all of that, yeah, um, I good think point. will have an effect. So I'm hoping the 15 actually comes through. And the last question, and I'll go to you first, Bryce, then Rana. Have you thought about this one? Oh, hang on. Okay, this, maybe I'll go to first. Got, to got Rana low first. and deep in the in the message. If you could transport yourself to be oh. a star player in one sports team in the world. Which team would that be and what role would you play? This is so is such a weird question for me because <laughs> yeah. I am not I'm not Just imagine at all. Be creative, Rana. <laughs> what do you what could you be? From the couch. I mean, look, honestly, this is my honest answer and it's so boring, <laughs> but um the first thing that came to mind was the Australian cricket team. Yeah. Because uh, it just means so much when it when you really think about the identity of our country and the national psyche. To put on a baggy green still means something, I think. So, what role would you play in that team? I'd be the captain. Number batter, bowler. <laughs> I, I'd love to be a batter. Yeah, okay, batting yeah. number four, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mark War type, I reckon. Uh, Elegant. You think so? Elegant. I mean, I'm just gonna say yes to everything. Yeah. Rana, we all shared the same dream. <laughs> what about we you, Bryce? You've played for Australia, so what else? What other team would you like to be part of yeah, in the world at the moment? Uh, well, it'd be NFL. So oh. it'd be NFL. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, I'd love to have that sort of take on that sort of role. But even just being a punter that's got a few trick plays, I love a trick play. Yeah. So um, being able to, to, to balk and then throw or something like that or pinpoint passes that they're not used to so that the, the, the NFL is sort of going, this is outrageous. Now, I know this Bryce McGain character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's... <laughs> And he's pretty See, old. That was, that was <laughs> a proper sporty person's answer. Yeah. I, I go for the narrative and what it means. I want to be in the moment. Tom, what do you got? I wish that I was the centre forward playing at Tottenham Hotspur under Ange Postacoglu. Oh, yes. Oh. The way they move the ball 
is so attractive for a striker. So I'd love to be just give it to me and I'll score. Never going to happen, but it'd be, it'd be great fun. <laughs> Time's got the better of us, Rana. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks um, for having really me. Really appreciate the chat. Wide ranging stuff. Um, have a great holiday season and we'll see you in the new year. You too. Rana Hussain there. This has been Sports Day for Nutrient Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. More after this.